Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! And welcome to the NXT review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplet and Michael Sudrik, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT and AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadly Boys to talk about NXT. And as I was saying to you two before we started recording, a show that I felt was designed specifically for me. I really enjoyed it, probably because it featured all of my favourites. But what did you think, Michael Hamlet? And I'm legitimately impressed with how quick NXT has snapped back to the pre-war version of itself. Um, the problem comes is that half of the episodes in there pre-war version of itself were barely watchable um functional to a fault was one of the old criticisms of nxt um as, as a weekly show because the takeover is so brilliant and that's why it exists to be functional um they have done it they have moved almost instantly back to a two-hour edition of the old version of nxt but i don't know if that's going to make for good weekly episodic television because bits of this were fine and i liked seeing the functional movement of a couple of characters and a couple of stories i wasn't terribly entertained by a lot of it um so they've got a new little challenge to have with themselves rather this than the worst of the war excesses absolutely mm. rather this but they've got a few challenges finding a new normal for for usa networks tuesday night nxt here's the thing about me and nxt and this might come a shock to regular listeners but i don't really like it um <laughs> i feel like format i don't like the fact that performers backstage just captured via an invisible camera seem to materialize next to each other to just engineer some contrived conflict, which is just written with the most basic forgettable lines. Like, can you recall anything that Bronson Reed might've said to LA Knight four weeks, five weeks ago? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So indistinct content churn dialogue kind of sucks. The, way the conflicts are arrived at just feels like there's no energy to it. It's just a formula that I've grown to hate and a style that I've grown to hate. However, because of the roster, there are always moments on the show that will pop you. 
there are always, or not always, but there are fairly often matches that'll just think, well, these are great wrestlers. It's a brand that I don't watch as an episodic concern. I don't think about as an episodic concern. And yet they have wrestlers on it that I sometimes love. And I fell in love with one said wrestler tonight. And if I watch it because I like a wrestler, then God damn it, it's better than more. Yeah, I can't decide whether I like, obviously, as I said, enjoyed this show because of the performers that were featured. But yet again, I can't decide whether I like this show just for in and of itself whether I like this show more because I was like, well, at least it's not Monday Night Raw or whether I like this show more than I would have done, say, on like a Thursday morning because I wouldn't have already watched two hours of AEW and be comparing it to that. I, anyway, let's get into it and we'll, 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 we'll delve into that as it goes. Uh, we started the show with Cool Cal O'Reilly. He came out. You asked for it, you two. I know, I know, I know. He came out, he had a denim jacket on, he had shades on, he had a fedodo on his head. He was rocking the look. Um, and he popped me by saying, hey guys, can we uh, can we raise the lights a little bit? And then, oh, I'm wearing my sunglasses inside. Um, he talks about... <laughs> he talks <laughs> about uh, wanting his work to speak for itself. He said he's moving on from, from Adam Cole, thank goodness. Uh, he found that killer instinct that he needed. Uh, and he talked about what was next. Was he going to go after the workhorse title, that being the NXT North American Championship, or the biggest man in NXT? He wasn't sure, but he had, quote, all the time in the world to decide before he went on more about Karrion Cross, though. The greatest man in NXT interrupted. He can't drive, baby, to the moon! This was a great start to the show. Any show that starts with Cameron Grimes within the first five minutes is good by me. He comes out, he says, uh, uh, congratulations to Kyle O'Reilly on defeating Adam Cole and, and said thanks as well because he made a killing betting on him on DraftKings because he was the underdog. Uh, and then he even offered a partnership. And I thought, oh, I mean, there obviously weren't, but I thought, just imagine. Um, he said, oh, look, we can we can profit off this. Um we could even take you diving onto coal and turn it into an NFT. I still don't really understand what an NFT is, even though all the kids are talking about it online. Uh, O'Reilly sort of plays along with him, suggests that they should be business associates. And he said, actually, as well, I've been cleared to compete and my first opponent will be... Puts the shades on like he's in bloody They Live or something. You, you knobhead! And just chins Cameron Grimes to set up the main event of the night. Uh, Michael Sidgwick, what did you think of this uh, opening segment? And cool Cal O'Reilly! Uh, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Um, as a segment of television, kind of putrid, phoned in, WWE content chain fair, introductory promo, interruption, conflict somehow. Oh, well, just as well, we didn't have a main event planned. Like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And I will tell you, every single time it happens, that I hate it. It's become the norm, and I've been rallying against this norm for the past 20 goddamn years of my goddamn life. Putting that to one side. Cool, Kyle O'Reilly. What do I think of this? It's a obvious and necessary attempt to translate Kyle O'Reilly's, like, knobhead heel charisma, like, dorky heel charisma, into a babyface ace rule. I'm not terribly convinced it was a big smash success. Um, it's quoting Dumb and Dumber. I think yeah, it was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, like, he's just, he's not cool, but I think that's the point. Mm. I don't think they've captured that point yet in itself. He's obviously not cool, Kyle O'Reilly. He's 
lovable, endearing, dork, Kyle O'Reilly, who can kick your head in. Um, there's potential to this act insofar as there's far more potential in this act than there was brooding, goth-adjacent, miserableist, listening to Joy Division in his bedroom, Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> like, this is much more Kyle O'Reilly than that, but I still think it's flanderized to an extent. It's very WWE broad. And the problem I had with the segment and his actions in it, rather than the overall characterization, which might have potential, it might. I don't trust WWE to do a character like this. Um, is that lean more on the endearing, he knows he's not that cool, but he's laughing at the notion of cool, which can work. Um, make him endearing. Don't make him do the dickhead WWE babyface thing of just punching someone unwarranted. Did Cameron Grimes really do anything wrong here? He didn't patronize Kyle O'Reilly. He didn't even suggest that. He didn't even do like the big money Matt Hardy thing, where I was like, oh, I'm going to take all your money. If he even just let slip an aside of, you know, I'll take 60% and you can afford it, or something like that. They were already ripping off AEW with the Cassidy get up, so why not do big money Matt as well? But what I'm trying <laughs> to arrive at here is a take that they could have healed Cameron Grimes more because he just came across as endearing and wanted to be his pal. And then in response to that, Kyle O'Reilly punched him in the face. It's like, it's so WWE values were imposed on this character and I just could not get away with it. The only, the only way I would defend it, and this is um, stretching it to the nth degree in terms of, oh, this is probably what they thought maybe, is him, Cameron Grimes, suggesting making an NFT, whatever the bloody hell that is, of... Uh, O'Reilly and Cole, or O'Reilly finishing off Cole, is him saying, Hey, let's profit off one of your, you know, biggest tumultuous relationships or whatever. But that is, it, even for me, Sige, that's a stretch. Uh, Hamlet, what did you think of all this? I mean, yeah, like a lot of, agree with a lot of what Sidgwick said, to be honest. Like that, that punch was full John Cena, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the baby face that just is like above everything and too smart for everything, even if you suppose, even if part of this character is to kind of come across a little bit like stupid or a little bit silly. So the, the character direction felt a bit all over the place. I still didn't really buy, like I kind of still imagined Kyle O'Reilly asking what his motivation was and him not being clear and therefore that not coming across. I wasn't sure, like in terms of that pretty awful takeover main event, this wasn't so much as putting lipstick on a pig as it was a hat on a workhorse. Like they've just put like this straw hat and glasses on a guy, um, which by the way, like Limmy did an amazing bit in series three of his show where like he's the arsehole <laughs> in the park. Uh, what about if I did this? Pretty annoying, right? Like that's basically how Kyler Riley was dressed. Like so, they've they've nailed irritating dickhead in a park. Now that parks are back open again in one night, um, yeah, it didn't really land for me. I wanted to believe that there was an art to this at the start. I wanted this to believe that like the way he was dressed and the way he was talking was an overreach to tell us that he was fine, whereas in reality he wasn't fine. Yeah. Like I wanted that to be the story. That hey guys, like Adam Cole's done with. And like we all know, and he knows that we know that it's not done with, is it? There's going to be another match. There's going to be more to do. We've seen them shouting at each other in the hospital corridor, and he's faking it till he makes it this week. And then everything with Cameron Grimes and everything else about the way the character played out for the rest of the night said that no, this is actually who he is as a real person. It's like, oh, I don't actually like that real person. So I think I'd rather you were masking that things aren't fine. Just a very, I'm not going to like jump on it's week one, I guess, for this gimmick. Um, so I'm not going to like jump down its throat yet. But I don't particularly think this was a very successful rollout of, of what they've attempted to do. They've tried to do a boy popper and this boy didn't pop. 
Mm. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you there, Hamlet. In terms of, I, I'd, I'd like to think that this is. I'm fine. Look, I've got a fedora on. Clearly, I've moved on. Um, but yeah, that, I don't know. <laughs> we always talk about the lack of nuance with WWE, but yeah. So I couldn't tell here whether they were like, you know, we'll dial it back and we'll just, you know, plant the seeds like you say. We don't have to go all out. We, we're not going head to head with anyone, and we, you know, we don't have to really showcase it in big letters early on. Or whether they're just there's not happening at all, and we're just trying to see something that's not even there. Uh, anyway, we had uh, the debutante Saray uh, uh, entering the building. It was shown her, her greeting William Regal and Zoe Stark, uh, very respectably coming up to her, welcoming her, and, and asking if she could wrestle her tonight. Which was lucky because Regal didn't have any bloody plans. Uh, so yes, they got the match set. Well, on, this like, this was booked as well, wasn't it? This match was booked. This was already on. I'm pretty sure we like talked about this as a. As a well, match we might have booked it. Like it was actually announced. Okay, all right. I, I thought this was a, like. Okay, I thought this was like superfluous, and they'd already booked it and forgotten that they put like a Twitter <laughs> graphic up, and that we better we better than yet. I'm still waiting for bloody Randy Orton versus Braun Strowman from Monday night, but still. Um, and then we oh, had uh, we had uh, yeah, L A Knight. Uh, he was there backstage cutting a promo, shooting on the the gauntlet eliminator, slagging off. Dex Loomis saying he was going to turn his on switch off. And then we got LA Knight versus Dexter Loomis. And I quite enjoyed it. Not the match, obviously, before you two both jumped down my throat, but whisper it. <laughs> really, you know, I'm a guy who loves love, guys. And I kind of am into this surreal indie Hartwell story. Um, so Loomis, obviously, at the start of the match, he's in control. Because LA Knight starts trash talking him as the match begins. Um, we go to a break. Obviously, uh, LA Knight's in control. So we come back from the break. Lubitz makes a comeback, but Knight's targeting his back. He shoves him into the ring apron. Then they're brawling at ringside. And Loomis notices Indy Hartwell is stood there and they do the whole hand on the glass thing and then slowly walk sideways. It was just a massive gap, obviously, so they can actually interact with each other. They look longingly to each other's eyes. And that allows LA Knight to, of course, recover. Sneak attack on Dexter Loomis. He starts bollocking and mocking Indy Hartwell. Loomis comes off the top rope because he's been chucked in the ring by LA Knight. Comes off the top rope uh, to the outside with a flying axe handle. Uh, and again, gets distracted uh, by his one true love, Indy Hartwell. That allows uh, Knight to recover, get in the ring, and he hits a sort of cutter through the ropes as uh, Loomis is getting back in. LA Knight pins him. Post-match, Hartwell and Loomis are about to kiss on the apron when Johnny Gargano ruins everything. He comes out, he says, no, no, no I'm not, this isn't happening right now. Uh, Austin Theory's carrying Hartwell away uh, and Candice and Johnny are shouting at everyone. Uh, before we get into the, the fallout from this later on, Hamlet, your thoughts on the match and the, the beginnings of, of Young Love? Well, this was a bad match. <laughs> but then, you know, you've got two guys that combined age of like 75, so they need more time to work out the kinks on this developmental show, don't they? Um, yeah, rubbish, really poorly executed, like just offensively drab for your, your television opener. This is kind of what I'm talking about, about how there's going to be quite an adjustment period of this becoming, this morphing from the one-hour network version to the two-hour television show. Crowds would have helped it, perhaps, but it was bad, it was bad. Um, I'm with you, I like the angle. I genuinely like the angle. Like, I'm, I'm poking a bit of fun at it in the way that I'm enjoying it, in that it's like it's so broad and it's so like it's so daft in the way it's drawn and the way it's presented but um 
I feel like I said this before, there is space for a Dexter Loomis when the stuff he's involved with isn't of like primary championship concern. On, like honestly, yeah. it's sometimes it's sometimes the closest NXT comes to a bit of variation. Quite honestly, Indy Hartwell's performing really well in this role yeah. and has done since the beginning because because the person she has to bounce off stands and stares. So it can't be underestimated like how much she needs to do to help get this over. Um, they're allowing you to question if it's true love or if it's a long con. By the way, because of obviously Gargano and Theory's frustrations with Loomis and having no idea how to how to get like how to penetrate this like emotionless shell. So I quite like that. Um, as long as this never matters, I'd like it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. If I put my NXT Redemption glasses on, <laughs> yes, I do like this. I like it, even though fundamentally it's stupid. The fact that wins and losses don't matter. He'd rather get his hole and get his W. And it's just like, when you watch a show like AEW Dynamite, which is so energetic and vibrant, and there's permutations seeping out of every single development, something like this just simply does not stack up. And I know we're not comparing it anymore, but a standard's been set now. A standard has been set, and I just can't get away with this kind of stuff anymore. However, as a reviewer who is bound to watch this show because, you know, I want to feed my family. I will pay more attention to and be more invested than this, than some drab three and a quarter star match. It's just, you know, it's more interesting, I guess. Um, My problem with this is that fundamentally, and he could levy this criticism, I'm a consistent guy, at something like AEW Dynamite, is that all episodic wrestling TV is kind of fundamentally flawed and or bad just in general because everything happens in the lives of these people within these two hours like very little happens off screen and these things only happen when they're on it and it's so contrived like they're not just had a date or something (laughs) Saturday night but no everything has to happen on the tv show and when that and when you rub the viewer's face in that to the detriment of a finish or the fact that a win and loss should matter and it won't. That's when I just get like knocked. Like I really do. Um, match itself was very, very drab, as one would expect. And I'm still shipping. I'm shipping Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis because I feel like for frivolous second match fair, there's a certain, and it's Indy Hartwell dragging this over the line <laughs> for their kinks. I g- genuinely think it's amusing. Um, so I, I am into this heavily caveated into it. Yeah, again, I feel like bloody one of the mutants that goes goes after you on Twitter, Sige. Because the, the, the counter-argument I would offer is the reason why it has to happen every Tuesday night is because Gargano's so bloody controlling of his stable that the only time they get to see each other, Romeo and Juliet style, is when they're both working on a Tuesday night. Everything he controls, everything else she does. I mean, yes, obviously, like you say, what doesn't social media exist? Doesn't she have a phone, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, blah blah blah. It just, I've got great taste in things, right? Just in yeah. general, in wrestling, so often just doesn't stack up to my great taste and other things. Like I'm so pedantic with pro wrestling because I've just got good taste in things. Optics of this weren't held. I get. Indy Hartwell away from that monster and carried into the arms of Austin Theory. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that never helps. Uh, so we had a, uh, a back quick backstage promo from Leon Ruff uh, saying that Swerve knocked him out, but then he knocked Swerve out by holding him in some lockers and 
He wants he wants to fight him again. The ball's in his court. Another rivalry that will never end on, on NXT. Uh, and then we got the sit-down interview with uh, Beth Phoenix and Io Shirai. I really quite enjoyed this. They they talked about her winning the title in your house. I would have loved that callback, of course. Uh, they replayed sort of some of the big moments of her title reign. And then, of course, unfortunately, her losing that title to Raquel Gonzalez at TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Um, she said Raquel Gonzalez was unquestionably her biggest challenge. Um she will have another shot. You know, she wants her rematch. But I just, I did like the fact that she went, I want a rematch, but I've been champion for like 300 odd days. My body needs time to recover. Just, yeah, that's exactly what would happen in real life if this was, you know, a, a proper sport sort of thing. Um, Presley the Pomeranian <laughs> interrupts and there's a sentence I didn't think I'd say. Hops up on the table. Frankie Monet comes in and says, oh, I'm sorry about him. I'm sorry about my chonk doggle. Um, she congratulates uh, <laughs> Io Shirai on her title reign. Um, she says, well, seems you're taking some, and also sort of backhand compliments. Beth, I used to love watching you when I was growing up all those years ago. Uh, but she says, well, if you're taking some time off, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll keep the seat warm for the best woman in the women's division. Uh, and then Shirai just gets angry at her, shouts at her in Japanese and says, I like cats. Aside from the fact I'm more of a dog person than a cat person, uh, Sige, what did you think of, of what they did here with, with Io Shirai and with uh, Frankie Monet, who you've just seen for the first time? Again, I feel like I'm living down to my reputation here because I had two developments on this show that I've kind of been crying out for and I didn't like the execution of either. I've wanted Kyle O'Reilly to channel the old charisma, right? He did, didn't like it. I wanted Io Shirai to be framed in this new sort of way that can actually drive storylines beyond the deadening beatdown challenge formula. And I didn't like this particularly either. Ultimately, every wrestling segment functions to make you want to watch a fight between the people involved in it. And this didn't. This didn't. Um, it's character progression for Io Shirai in the sense that they're trying to, I think, like, soften her, humanize her a bit, make her connect with people, which I admire. I feel like it's the perfect time to do it um, because there's nothing worse than no selling a defeat. As you said, Wilborn, really great point. It's fantastic that they've said, like, I'm, my body's knackered. It sells the gravity of everything she's done. Love that continuity. Love the idea that she isn't just saying, oh, I want the title back. I'm still the best because you're not. You're absolutely not. Raquel Gonzalez is. It's time for you to introspect and do these different character beats. I like the, the bones of it all. I just didn't really think the execution flattered Io Shirai particularly. And I don't really care about the match. Yeah, I think I agree. that This was good and not great at the same time. I, I couldn't decide if I liked how... So Frankie Monet is a heel of this much we know now because she's picked a moment when the champion has very explicitly admitted that they're kind of feeling a bit weak and she's effectively come... I know she didn't do it literally, but has come to like lay down the challenge. Yeah, it's not her fault. Her. It's dog's fault, if anything. <laughs> this is it. Um, like, that's, that's quite a good like marker of who she is as a person to spot an opportunity. She's mouthed off to the champion last week, but it was, again, left a bit grey as to whether or not she was doing that as a babyface or a heel. This week, it's abundantly clear. She's trying to, like, pick apart a wounded and slightly damaged ex-champion. I, I don't mind that. I don't mind the outcome, certainly. 
like I'm very, very intrigued to see how the match plays out between the two. Like it's again one of them situations where WWE like one of the benefits very occasionally of them signing so many talents is you get a combination that you just didn't realise you wanted and we've arrived at one. You know, this is a match I want to watch. Um, But yeah, similar to Sidgwick, I guess I'm not sure. I I didn't feel a great deal for the execution. I found myself just thinking about some more of the, the, like the extraneous details. To be honest, the first thing I felt when Io Shirai rocked up and was talking about what's next and all that, I felt a little bit sad. I think this is like, obviously she's doomed on the main roster. Of course she's doomed. But NXT has given me no evidence to suggest that they won't be doomed by staying put. Doesn't like Adam Cole feel doomed? You know, doesn't sort of Kyle O'Reilly a little bit at the moment feel doomed? Gargano, Champa, the list goes on. They're going to be doomed regardless if they stay put. I've not been, I need NXT to show to me that they're as good at cycling down characters if they're not going to lose them. Um, and like one last thing in reference to, because I'm not particularly a cat person, but I'm definitely not a dog person. So I felt like I identified more of the Yoshirai off the back of this. But a shout out to Will Terry on Twitter who got in touch with us to say that what she was actually doing was confirming that her and Finn Balor are going to be in a mixed match challenge together. Yeah. So, big fan of that. Um, long-term storytelling. Um, yeah, I want the match more than I wanted any of this promo stuff. They they did they showed me something that I want to see. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know how long you get away with the Yoshirai on this brand. Like it really... Like this thing about wrestlers feeling like the completed NXT isn't going to go away just because NXT is its own show. Now that's that's existed too long. Uh, Sage casting vote, cats or dogs? I like both. I prefer dogs, but I generally like both. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's move on to the next bit of Adam Wilborn's EFED. Uh, we want a tag team match. How about we have Breezango versus the grizzled young veterans? Sounds good to me. Uh, Breezango already in the ring. They're marching about playing the Queen's Guard. <laughs> They've got all the, the big hats and the red jackets on. And Zach Gibson is absolutely furious. He's furious. They, they are blagging, pretending to be a member of the Queen's Guard. Um, so we get the match. Uh, I did like just you know we talk about it when we talk about FTR for example in in, uh, in it's not exactly the same but in, in, in AEW just like 
nice classic old school heel bollocks. James Drake comes off the top. Oh, I took my knee. I took Graf, come here. I've took my knee. Referee's checking on him. Zach Gibson walks over. Just pokes Fandango in the eye. And it wasn't the finish. It was just good. Oh, you bastard. I love you. Um, so they work over Fandango. Eventually, he gets to Tyler Breeze, who, uh, who you know, gets the hot tag, runs, runs wild. Uh, eventually, though, they cut him off. He misses a blind tag. That allows them to hit the ticket to Mayhem. One, two, three. Uh, they'd also already called out uh, MSK as part of their entrance as well. Good stuff, this amphlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't do backflips over any of it, but I, I did enjoy it. I did like it. Again, it like plays to that to NXT's functional side. Very clear the team being built and the team there to do the job, but that can do the job in a very entertaining way. Far more than just card fillers, Breeze Angle, like as we know before. I thought the Queen's Guard thing was obviously quite a nice fit and tribute to Prince Philip RIP, but if they wanted to pay tribute to a fallen institution, why didn't they just wear Liverpool shirts? That would have wound up with that Gibson even more, wouldn't it? Um, the the um the beauty of a Breeze Angle at this point is that they don't they don't feel and we talk about ages quite a lot, and TV ages, somehow, for as long as they've been back on NXT, and as long as they've existed as an act, in the matches, they don't feel ancient. Mm. So somehow, it's like dark art stuff. Um, this must be like that kind of, God, Tyler Breeze is a gift to this locker room in the ways that we don't understand. But like, I enjoy these matches way more than I think I'm going to when I kind of think, oh, Christ, Breeze, I'm going again, right? They've done the pat a bit. The match is going to be... And then it's never it's never really that drab. It's often pretty good. It's really helpful when you've got more boring tag teams, but the Grizzly Young Vets are not that. So what you get, I think you're probably right to draw up on this, is very much what felt closer to an FTR Dynamite squash than a boring NXT mid-card tag match. Um, all the better for it. Grizzly Young Vets remain the perfect, perfect opponents for MSK whenever they want to go back to it. And you sense that they're just being kept this level of hot for the next takeover. Yeah, I like this. I like this. I can't really add anything more other than to build on your point, Wilborn, about the, the heel spot. I thought James Drake measured it perfectly, mm. where it just felt enough like an actual standstill before they subverted it with the heel stuff. I thought that was really nice. He sold, I think he sold it, either sold the leg or sold something earlier on. And you thought, oh, he's actually genuinely tweaked something. For no, it's kind of like he's really accomplished. Yeah. Like, um, vastly underrated. Um, yeah, nice little match highlighted by that particular work. I would like Zach Gibson to do more worthy stuff on the promo than say, see <laughs> Like yesterday, He's not just the panto villain guy um, who can say things in an irritating way and make you go, come on, baby faces. Go <laughs> back and give him another punch. <laughs> like, give him a microphone for a long enough time. He can seriously wind you up. See, seriously wind you up. Um, I think they need to build the characters more beyond, oh, he's that guy with the irritating British accent who's kind of got that quality about him. Self-fights, because he can do it. Like, it's virgin on catchphrase fair now. The whole idea of a promo, it showed for, promote. I want to stop promoting stuff. I want to have his character built. It just feels a little bit, to quote my esteemed colleague, like, what's your thing? I can say, scene. <laughs> I, I did it on the wind-up. I want to be wound up. I did like that his own, he was like, he 
was caught up by his own anger this week at how things have gone. He's like, very soon, actually. Like he kind of like <laughs> he butchered his own catchphrase to make it clear that he's getting pretty pissed off that they're not tag team champions. Absolutely blagging that you've got a new Japan World subscription. Always go back to that, and uh, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like it just him potentially walking up to the plexiglass and just just going around just doing the old comedian like who's on the front row sort of thing just going up and just going this guy this guy this guy or whatever or it's you know it, like classic he could do the basic sort of like oh it's a good job you've got a mask on because he's so hideous or but he'd do it a lot better than that but yeah i completely agree with what you're saying there Sige. uh right we had back-to-back backstage stuff here both of which i absolutely adored uh there was going to be an interview with indy hotwell and johnny gargano the trick gem that he is on NXT he walked in and going, no, 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 there's going to be no interview today. He literally took the microphone away from Mackenzie Mitchell so she couldn't even ask any questions. Uh, he's just like, no, no, bollocks, 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 bollocks. No, she's not, she's not going to get with Dexter Loomis. No, 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 no. Uh, in the midst of all this, Bronson Reed comes in and talks about, just like I do, loving love. Stop trying to control everyone, Johnny. Uh, he wants a rematch uh, with Gargano. Gargano in the best way. Back of the line, says to a <laughs> North American championship. And Austin, I really like this this development with Austin Theory. Austin Theory is just a thick twat, basically. He's like, yeah, Bronson Reed, you go back of the line, which is why I spoke to spoke to the GM and I said, you're only going to get a tattoo shot if you can beat me. Gargano's like, what are you doing? He literally beat you last week. He poked him in the ribs. He went, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, I forgot about that. And uh, yeah, they, there's a match next week. Uh, if he beats Theory, Reed gets another shot of the title. Convoluted, but you know what, Sige? I'll allow it. This popped me, this backstage segment. Oh, you're not allowed to get popped by this. Do you yeah. know how many times? Don't encourage them. Do you know how many times I've seen Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory? <laughs> that like a best of 28. <laughs> like, see, they wrestle all the goddamn time, and it magnifies the poor. We'll call it month to month and be kind. So it's not like day to day, week to week, like raw. But it's very much month to month. Like Bronson Reed, Gargano, and Austin Theory again. Like it was sort of later in the night, like Candice LeRae is still having a feud with them two again. This is proper content showing this. And look, I like Johnny Gargano in this role as frivolous as it is, but it's not enough. To like a little, uh, that was funny. Like, that's not enough to make me go to not go. Bronson Reed versus Austin Theory again. Like, are you joking me with this match, with this combination? Like, they can't book. They can write mildly amusing lines at times. That's fine. They can't book. This gave me like the total opposite feelings of the Io Shirai segment in that I enjoyed what I was watching and didn't want to see the combination at the end. <laughs> like, I've got. I've got no interest in Bronson Reed being 50-50 again, even if, like, this time it extends a little bit further. Like Papa John. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, I think Papa John's an awesome nickname for Gargano. They make tremendous trophies and reasonable pizzas. Um, But it's just like, (laughs) it's it's one of the things at this point where I kind of rely on Gargano's patter to save booking like this because, like, none of the destinations entertain me. I was going to bring up the exact same point Cedric made. I, I can't, well, I can't believe because there's nobody else to fight them. But I cannot believe they've gone back to like Luray wanting the tag belts again. And we'll get onto that segment in a bit. But like, 
this felt much the same. It was like, oh, it's Bronson Reed, is it? Well, it's a good job we had like a three-match build to the title shot you already lost. <laughs> like, like, it is funny, the idea that like Austin Theory is so stupid that back of the line means one match. Like, that's pretty good that like he can be that thick and set this up this way. But just like, you know, if like you're so desperate to get to Bronson Reed, North American champion, maybe put the belt on him when he's actually got momentum and night two of a takeover rather than have your heel champion no sell most of the work and beat him with relative ease. That's what that's that's where the content churn feeling comes. It's like you had that, but you blew it. So now you're at you're selling it anyway because like you feel that it isn't past its sell by date when a lot of people watching probably feel the opposite. Yeah, I, I I'm not forced about seeing the match again. I just enjoy what enjoyed what it was. I'm just gonna use this time to to score and it's got an open goal here. Uh Hamlet. Michael Sidrick, have, have your team ever won the uh, EFL trophy now known as the Papa John's trophy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, oh, oh, mine has, Hamlet's has. So, just, just saying, you know. I mean, Shelbyville part of that. Right, next backstage segment. It was great because it had Cameron Grimes in it, of course. Uh, this time, he's of course furious about Kyle O'Reilly uh, attacking him. But then an envelope turns up, and he's happy again because he. I still don't know what an NFT is. He's, he thinks he's got a winning bid on an NFT, whatever that is. But it's been outbid by. Ted DiBiase, damn you, million dollar man. More of this, please, Michael Hamlet. Like, the original black and gold wrestler on the black and gold brand. Like, the day that he shows up in his sparkly suit on, like, a takeover on NXT, it's going to be mint, isn't it? Like, this is such a well-set-up cameo. They've done the work to make me want to see the million dollar man. And not in that way that like it's Legends Night on Raw. It's forty guys. It's like four it's seconds not... of million dollar men left. <laughs> yeah, he's at the he's at the last party you'd ever want to attend. Like it's they've really put he's a hanging around in. with Heidenreich. <laughs> so he would never hang out. With Ted DiBiase sharing memories with Kelly Kelly. Like that's just <laughs> I. Uh, this is going to be brilliant. Like, this is going to be great. They've really put a shift in. It's going to be funny. It's frivolous. A lot of it's frivolous. Don't know that it's going to get Cameron Grimes to the next level or anything, but can't wait to see it. If anyone's anxious about the teasers and if they're going to be fulfilled, like, can they really get Ted DiBiase? Like, you give that guy 100 quid nowadays. It's a bit <laughs> It's a bit stark now, but you chuck him 100 quid for Legends Night, he'll come and do his laugh. Like, he's a... Uh, like, he's uh, a... I don't lie on myself, but he'll be there. He will be there. He might be <laughs> Did I see him in the in a Lacey Von Eric video the other day? Was it was was Biossi, Ted DiBiase knocking about? No, I don't. I can't remember. It's all steamboat in one. Yeah, it's all, it's all that. It's all that. Yeah. Everybody's got a price in his. It's about thirty quid plus F. <laughs> Uh, right, Sid, let's move on to the uh, debut or the in-ring debut uh, of uh, Saray. She faced Zoe Stark and uh, so weird this in a good way. It, but, you know, you thought uh, we went into it going, OK, this is going to be a big showcase, you know, effectively a, a squash match. But she, then she was facing Zoe Stark and Zoe Stark got in quite a lot of offence. But it, it did really showcase what an excellent talent. You know, we, we admitted ourselves we don't really know a lot about her. I was chatting to, to Andy Murray and he said, oh, expect big things from her. Uh, today, uh, she she got in a modified sort of Texas coat clover leaf at one point, and Stark gets to the ropes. They sort of go back and forth. Uh, Saray lands some nice looking drop kicks. Fisherman's Buster for a near fall. Uh, then Stark gets back and uh, she misses a 450. And then Saray kicks her, 
hits the Saito suplex. One, two, three. Post-match, Tony Storm runs down uh, and attacks Zoe Stark after Zoe's shaken hands and been all very amicable with Saray. Post-match, Saray sort of checks on her after that. But yeah, what did you reckon to uh, Saray's NXT debut, Michael Sidgwick? Oh, God, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. Basically, a star was created and the star substantiated the, the hype with like a quite awesome, but not too awesome because they're clever enough still to recognize that you don't, you know, give everything away. Not all of the spots, not all the dramatic swings and momentum, not every counter. Um, almost perfectly measured. If I've got one complaint, pedantic, it's that I wish I'd got another week of this. They could have done a three-minute traditional NXT old-school introduction, and then this is perfect second appearance fair. Maybe they could have got away with the first three-minute, here's my moves, then next week, oh, the opponent will get something. Other than that, I work. like I always love in pro wrestling when we think we know how the magic's done, and the architecture of everything. Still love looking at a move and thinking, oh Christ, how did he do that without like really hurting someone? And that stamp she did as Zoe Stark's back. Mm-hmm. I got that feeling of, oh, how do you do that? That looked absolutely incredible. Um, just thought it was an incredibly accomplished performance. Thought they measured the ratio of offense particularly well because ultimately they can plant the seeds now for Zoe Stark time and time and time and time again just not getting it done. And then that can mutate into the heel turn. Like lots going on here. Perfect opponent, perfect length, perfect ratio of offense. Everything's rated looked absolutely great. Um, Ultimately what you want from this appearance is two things. You want the hype to be realized and you want to see more of the person you've just seen. Absolute blockbuster smash hit on both, uh, both remits. All of that. Love this. Um, could feel as I was watching just how right they were getting this because what I knew I was watching was great and yet I knew there was better to come. Um, I'm an absolute sucker for an old-fashioned WWE babyface fire-up and Saray's already mastered that because that last sort of minute and a half where you knew Stark was doomed was exhilarating and she didn't... And you sense that she wasn't even like unleashing her best arsenal. Not tonight, anyway. She'd got the measure of Stark after six or so minutes and thus... She knew what she could put her away with. That's not to say that frigging suplex wasn't quality. Like, really, really good stuff. She hits hard, um, which is kind of, like, I guess I guess what you come to expect from a newcomer. They've got to, they've got to like, give it some welly on that first night because if the stuff looks a little bit soft, you immediately start to doubt some of the credibility that you've had instilled in them. Um, yeah, could not love the delivery of this more. Um, Zoe Stark, I kind of mentioned this to you before, Wilborn, Zoe Stark already feels like she's becoming one of those weekly, reliable, good match wrestlers, mm. which is like, it's a huge credit to her, but also I think a credit to the way that they presented her, the way they've thought about how to introduce this character. There are many names that do the rounds that um, in like women's wrestling that you want to see. It came up a lot with AEW where like there would be a tournament announced and somebody that knows way more than I do on Twitter would fire in with like 20 wrestlers like AEW could sign. Didn't feel like Zoe Stark was ever part of any of these conversations it's as if she's been hidden away and NXT have just managed her arrival brilliantly. That's not to undermine how great Saray was here, but this this wasn't just her night. This was another fantastic night for Saray. No problem with the basic storytelling of Tony Storm laying down the beating on Zoe Stark. She's angry at having felt an embarrassment of being like, you know, kind of like shown up 
by Starker. Well, it's good. So there's your feud. Um, great. Proper. Christ, it was just nice to get some really good title-free mid-card women's division booking. This is what Raw and SmackDown has just like, there's been zero of this for about a year. And it's it's disgraceful how much WWE gets away with it. Because that's what this is. Like, there's no titles involved here. It's everybody just fighting to work up the ladder and get a bit of respect. Pulsating at its very best. Like that goddamn spot. I love when wrestlers just create the absolute illusion of, now it's going to hurt her. Danger. <laughs> when Start was draped over the second row. Like, drop kick, cleaning the mush. That head rebounding back over mm. the second rope. I love that. I love that because you know the masters who know how to do it. Um, yeah, legitimate danger. I could not have been higher on this, really. Uh, we got a backstage interview with NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez, flanked by Dakota Kai. Uh, Kai, a lot of we here. There was a lot of yeah, we won the, the title. Yeah, we did that. And I, yeah, I think they 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 do seem to have taken on board. You know what people have been saying. This is exactly the direction they need to be he- uh, heading in. Uh, Hamlet, you were concerned, you know, about Gonzalez becoming, as you said, sort of diesel back in the day. I'm just like, I'm a, a good old fashioned baby face now, immediately after winning the title. Um, how do you think she came across here saying things like line up any challenges and she'll knock them down? I love this whole segment, man. Like to sort of, I like to think I've got great taste. I don't think it's quite as great and refined as Sidgwick and it's why I've got more of a tolerance for like really thick wrestling. But this <laughs> is sort of the, this is like almost precision engineered for how clever to thick I want my pro wrestling to be. Like this this segment, it's like very WWE when it could book. They're showing you everything, but the wrestlers aren't telling you. And that's 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 enough. Like lots of we, lots of Dakota Kai, like forcing out that laughing off of, yeah, we can't always get what we want. Don't you, don't, I know what you're doing. I know you're trying to stir it, but we know what's going on. Like, it's not like super clever, but... It's pro wrestling doesn't have to be. I like I just love the presentation of this. I want three months and three Raquel Gonzalez feuds of this as like the relationship crumbles. Let's not forget that before Raquel Gonzalez won the title, they were doing that thing where kind of she was carrying the team as well, where Kai would lose the matches that they would lose and Gonzalez would win the ones that they would win. So this is you know, this hasn't just existed from the second that Gonzalez has won the belt. Like measured perfectly all of this. Feels like Ryan Ward is booking it. And that's the highest compliment yeah. I can pay. Yeah, just simple stuff here. Like when she's when she retains the title, she gets handed the title via Dakota Kai when she's fighting maybe without the title on the line. Kai holds it at ringside. Look at what they did with mm-hmm. Sasha Banks and Bailey. Just do that, basically. <laughs> really simple stuff. Uh, we had another backstage segment uh, with uh, Candice Ray trying to get Indy Hartwell's head in the game. Uh, she's, she's excited because she's seen Dexter Loomis, basically. Uh, Larray thinks she's got Hartwell with her as she goes to, you know, complain about getting another or complain to the tag team champions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, Hartwell hasn't bothered to go along with her. As Larray realizes this, she's down two on one. She hoys coffee in Ember Moon's face, and then the baby faces drag her off to kick the crap out of her in the locker room. We'll deal with this more when we get to the second half of this. Let's move on instead, uh, Sage, to the Kushida match. Uh, I thought they made Kushida feel like such a big deal with the, the video package that came before that and, and him winning the, the Cruiserweight Championship um, was some good stuff. And uh, yeah, he came out and he, he cut a promo saying that I won this title via an open challenge, so I'm going to do an open challenge tonight. And it was answered by Oni Lorcan. Uh, I thought these two worked really well together. Kushida wrestling barefoot, then putting over the fact that he's he's got this background in MMA. That got me very excited to see where they go with next with this. Um 
They back and forth match. Lorcan hits Kushida with a blockbuster. Kushida kicks out. Kushida then starts getting chopped over and over and over again. And that sort of fires him up, wakes him up. Uh, he's been targeting the arms throughout the fight, throughout the match. Uh, and he locks in the hoverboard lock for the submission victory to retain the Cruiserweight Championship post-match. Santos Escobar and the uh, rest of Legado del Fantasma come down. They attack Kushida, but MSK run down to make the save. And that is going to head towards quite an exciting six-man next week. But before we talk about that, Sage, your thoughts on this match? Um, nice and nasty and like really accomplished. Locked in a certain gear that I couldn't quite escape. It, they've got balls booked in a trios match like on Dynamite. <laughs> on Dynamite's illustrious form in that uh, genre over 2021. Uh, is going to be stark bollock naked next week. <laughs> <laughs> Basis of how quickly he's losing his clothes. Um, yeah, this wasn't blow away. This wasn't blow away, but it's the kind of action you kind of only get on NXT on TV these days. And I do think it's a nice change of pace. I just felt like, yeah, the certain gear that it was worked in but we're talking like three and a quarter, three and a half star matches here. But again, we're numb to it, which you always point out. Like, yeah, it's obviously like really quite good, but you know, you, it's just hard to get like electrified by it. It's kind of a, a thing with Kushida where, despite, and like when I say efforts, I really mean his best efforts. There's a struggle sometimes to make some of his matches memorable that I also can't work out why. There's like a, and when, when he does sort of, when his explosive quality really shows itself, it's so much better. Like, I think the, the Pete Dunn match at TakeOver was a perfect example of that. I want more of them, and I don't think we're going to get them every week. But because I know he's got it in him, I think he's sort of a perfect Cruiserweight champion. I am way more, I, like, I feel like we've dug out your faves quite a lot this last year, Will Bond, but I'm way more invested in Kushida Cruiserweight title matches than I was Santos Escobar ones. And I, I can't exactly pinpoint why, because I don't think this match was blow away brilliant or anything. Um, but he feels more of a dynamic wrestler to hold that belt, to try and return it to its, I don't want to say glory days, but like the, the pretty great TV matches of late 2019. That's that's what that belt needs to represent ultimately. It needs to represent a 10 to 15 minute distraction almost. They're never going to book. They're never going to tell stories. So forget about that and just try and get the best out of like 10 or 15 minutes of a television match. Um, I like the six man. Because I love MSK. And if, um, it, the, yeah, Sidrick's right. There's a bar being set by these trios matches that NXT cannot leap over, but they're giving themselves the best chance with MSK. They'll get as close as they can do yeah. with MSK and Kushida. That's a, that's a pretty exciting three man team. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited for that next week. Uh, again, more stuff that I really like on this show. We had a backstage promo from Mercedes Martinez. Uh, she talks about. Raquel Gonzalez being scared of her, not answering her challenge. She said, all right, I'm tired of hearing Dakota Kai answer for you. So tell you what, I'll take out Dakota Kai and then there's going to be no one between me, you and that title. Yeah, good stuff. Very briefly, this amplet. Yeah, um, kind of the same. Apply the same to the Gonzalez stuff earlier on. They're just, they're just thinking about how they're booking her and just they're thinking about how they're booking her opponents. It's proper like wider universe storytelling where it's not just about one character at a time. Um, and when Martinez beats Dakota Kai to get her match against Raquel Gonzalez, it's just another sort of chink in the armour of these two heels that feel like they're on top of the world. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, and this was the point where we got uh, another backstage segment with the way Gargano talking to Austin Theory, being, can you stop being so bloody stupid, basically, uh, find, trying to find out when he actually had time to speak to William Regal in a month or this. Uh, Candice LeRae shows up, she's just had the crap kicked out of her by the babyface women's team champions in NXT. Uh, they're trying to find out what's happened. Sorry, this is the part where Indy Hartwell has seen Dexter Loomis. That's what obviously distracted her earlier on. She's all excited. Oh, and also she saw Regal and they're getting another tag team title rematch. Uh, thoughts on this and the previous segment where the baby faces dragged someone into a room and kicked the crap out of them, Michael Sujwick. It's almost as bad as the Raw. Women's tag team scene, dynamics are all over the place. They're just regurgitating the same dynamic. And it's not just within this tag title picture, like Candice LeRae versus Shotzi Blackheart has now lasted longer um, than Miro versus, and Kip Sabian versus best friends. Like, this is astonishingly, astonishingly tired, um, like unacceptably lazy churn. And you've, you, you're going to struggle to get two dogs like Shotty Blackheart and Ember Moonlight over as a relevant concern. Like what I like about them is that they can go um, one's got a great finish. One's got like a, just an attitude and an energy that I really like. So I do like them, but they're like the nerds. <laughs> they are total nerds. And them acting like tossers <laughs> is not going to help the corner. Mm. I just, yeah. I did a one good thing first because then I hate the rest of this. Uh, really like funny. Maybe just NXT funny, I don't know. But the Indy Hartwell was buzzed that Dexter Lumis made eye contact. That's quite a cute gag, isn't it? Like, of all the guys. Um, Things in school when you're like, oh, right, she's in love. That eye contact, like, Dexter, that's all Dexter Lumis has done with every single person he's met in the last year. Isn't it? Like, that's quite nice. But, um, yeah, what really, like, saddened me about that beatdown, that kind of story, yeah, at least, so I counter the Kyle O'Reilly, Cameron Grimes criticism, she threw some coffee at them, right? So, like have a fight by all means however um this made me think that triple h and Shawn michaels believed that when they put the spirit squad in a box and sent them to ovw that was somehow charming that was like this quaint little baby face <laughs> trait were we a couple of massive dickheads that was like quite sweet wasn't it like, because that's what they've imposed here on uh, ember moon and shotty blackheart and that's not who these people are for all that they play hard with this tank and ember moon's got the eclipse i think you're supposed to know there's like a soft interior to this this exterior front. And like this does away with that. They're just like, they're just gum chewing baby face WWE dickheads. They're just Matt Riddle and Keith Lee turning up on that SmackDown to bully Sami Zayn for no reason. It's it's all of that, you know. Um, it's I didn't like that. I didn't like it as a setup. Candice Lorraine and Shotty Blackheart have been on opposing sides at three takeovers. You know, <laughs> that's that's like. That's, let me just do a quick count in my head. That's as many takeovers as Sasha and Bailey worked against each other. If you include a fatal four-way, like it's not, it ain't that, you know, it's not, it's not transcendent stuff. Um, yeah, like it, this has gone on inexcusably long. And what this is, there's a systemic issue here, like away from the workers, these belts shouldn't exist. Mm. Uh, the women's tag belts should have been won and brought to NXT. Not like you shouldn't have had that screwy cheap finish that necessitated the invention of title belts. You should have just had them taken off Naya and Shayna and have and bring down main roster tag teams every now and then for the fighting champions to fight. There isn't a division here. That's why they're going back to this. 
Well, if it did that, they wouldn't have the quality that's going on with the women's tag division. On the- <laughs> uh, never have I wanted a roll-up to win a match more than what came next. Uh, Ever-Rise, who, as always, are turning me on. Um, <laughs> they fought oh, bloody Imperium, and it was a squash, effectively. Killian Day comes down to ringside to distract them. Uh, and that allows uh, Chase Parker to get a roll-up, but unfortunately only get a two-count, got murdered as a result of it. Drake Maverick comes down, full scrappy-do, let me at him, gets carried away to the back. Uh, and then, yeah, Imperium just hit Parker with the doomsday uppercut, European uppercut thing that they do, uh, and they get the pinfall victory. Anything to say about this, Sige? <laughs> <laughs> Been a long time since I've missed that the sight of that Everton fan in the front row of Full Sail. But I feel as though if they were there, they would have exposed Imperium for the absolute state of the act they are versus how fun Everize are. I think Everize would be getting over in a big way in that old, very loyal, full-sale crowd. And they'd be laughing at all their spots. They'd be completely with them. And then Imperium would get the advantage as the pushed project and the crowd would go quiet and they'd be numbed. Yeah, they'd be absolutely numbed to it. Like NXT getting away with the presentation of how these two tag teams were put across and... Like to the same extent, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick, because they can control the audience reactions. I have absolutely no doubt that Everrise would have come across as the team getting over out of this if this was in full sale. But we're not. We're in the grizzled black future of NXT and Imperium, a sort of the perfect act for the CWC in far too in far too many ways. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I took away from this, aside from great, obviously seeing Everrise on NXT. Uh, is the fact that they acknowledge that Everize does that pre-pre-show thing and they did it for, for TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And I thought maybe, maybe someone's had their eyes open to all the stuff that they do separate. There's like a Saturday morning show and stuff that they do. They're great and they, they deserve more time uh, to do these sort of skits and what have you. But yeah, it was just a squash for Imperium to further the story with them and Killian Dane. And then we got the main event, Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes. Kyle O'Reilly walking past Carrion Cross and Scarlett. Have they been just stood there all night, Sige? Presumably just as you walk your way to the ring? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, so, yeah, if a main event was Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes, uh, I, I, obviously I really enjoyed this because it's Kyle O'Reilly versus Cameron Grimes. Again, I thought they worked really well together. Um Chain wrestling, of course, with O'Reilly majority in control. Then uh, Grimes hit a German suplex. He's targeting the neck of Kyle O'Reilly. He's working him over as we go to the break. O'Reilly comes back. Uh, he hits a PK. Then Grimes fights back, hits a spinning slam. O'Reilly counters a suplex with a leg lock. Uh, Grimes hit a super kick. And O'Reilly, a couple of times in this match, did the old wacky line where he comes back and, uh, and hits a, a clothesline after going into the ropes and spilling through and coming back again. Uh, O'Reilly fires up. Uh, he hits uh, Axe and Smash, Brain Buster, goes up top and then hits that jumping knee off the top they used to finish off Adam Cole to finish off Cameron Grimes and get the victory. What do you think of the main event, Michael Hamlet? Really great, man. Like everything that Kyle O'Reilly currently can't do behind a microphone, he's still doing in the ring in normal circumstances and not 40 minutes, obviously. Like... This is this is why you push Kyle O'Reilly, um, because he's a pretty he's an underrated sports entertainer, because we know that he's a great pro wrestler, um, but he worked here at a level that I think does present him as a as like a main event concern as a title contender and not in a gritty fist fight with Finn Balor, 
but in like this technical warfare in this way that you can like this modernized i don't know would it even be classed as hybrid anymore because it feel like it feels like it's been normalized by becoming the standard style which is very very good at it he wrestles like he doesn't know that he's the size he is sometimes which i really appreciate cameron grimes is great here as well like for the for what was supposed to be i think a almost like a a showcase for Kyle O'Reilly as the complete babyface main eventer, because Takeover Standard Deliver wasn't that. For what was supposed to be Kyle O'Reilly's showcase, I thought he was expert in how much he gave Cameron Grimes here. Cameron Grimes, his size makes me forget that he's really good at splatting people on the heads. And it's quite easy for him to therefore like assume an advantage for that that middle portion that he has to take as the heel so that O'Reilly can make his comeback. It was like this was quite formulaic in its arrangement, but the work was so good that I didn't care. Um, I knew who was winning. I didn't have that feeling of drama. I didn't have that sense that like O'Reilly was particularly in any danger. I just really enjoyed what I was watching. Um, like way more of this in your in your takeover matches. Honestly, like loads more of this in like very like simplistic but entertaining presentation of the wrestlers you've signed because they're great wrestlers. Like I, I, at no point did I feel that it was overwhelmed by Kyle O'Reilly's new character or indeed Grimes' character work. I thought this was, again, we're talking like in measures. This was just measured just right for me. Yeah, this is really, really strong. Really, really strong. I really like the story of the character work of Cameron Grimes. Like, he's so great. Like, the amount of times, because he's this idiot, but he's also skilled. Not more than anything else, he's also an idiot who's just an incredibly impulsive guy who, at the merest hint of any kind of excitement, just goes ballistic or at the, any kind of slight, he will just, like, blow his top. <laughs> Anytime he got momentum in this match, he just exploded into a position that's made him vulnerable because he was cut off with the submission work of Kyle O'Reilly. Like, they were tell, trying to tell the story of, look, I know we present him as one because it's funny, but now's the time because he's in the ring. Like, Cameron Graham's actually really good at this. And they just, again, the words measured, like they measured his character work perfectly in this match. Kyle Riley's awesome. He always is. He's so much better because he's explosive and his persona is of a fighter. He's not this methodical trope brawler. So when you get him in a short, snappy, explosive fight, you get the very best of the character. Um, Yeah, really strong main event. Yeah, really good ending to this week's show, which I really enjoyed. Uh, but let us know your thoughts uh, on NXT this week on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamblet at... Michael Hamford. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including, of course, later on today, our preview of AEW Dynamite. Also, completely forgot to mention this, did you notice the the Michael Coleism that uh, we got from Beth Phoenix? I don't know why this just popped into my head. She dropped the swishing gears line. She, she used did. it. <laughs> she did. In the same segment, she said, and I quote, now that we know what's on the horizon for Io Shirai, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> Get what you're trying to say, but say, just say it better. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, join us for the AW Dynamite preview a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the NXT Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.